Hi, welcome to Popaholics, the show where a dad and daughter dish on pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And we're going to be talking about several things today. I'm going to start for a change in our newsletter for last <laughs> week's episode. We talked about fan-made trailers and movies, which are a way for fans to show their, their love or make fun of their favorite or hated viewing experiences. Uh, these fan-made uh, trailers and movies have been around since 1926. The first one was uh, some fans did a version of the R Gang series. And today, many are so well done that they look like they were produced by the studios that own the rights to these uh, characters. In fact, some are brand new fan-made versions of hit shows, which brings us to one we're going to talk about today that was inspired by the fifth greatest cartoon of all time, according to TV Guide. Okay. okay. That was the fifth greatest. Well, I know what it is. <laughs> it's Scooby-Doo. Right. It is. It is Scooby-Doo. And what do you think the other four were? The other four, give me cartoons. what? What were the great, the other four uh, of the five greatest cartoons? Scooby-Doo was fifth. Uh, I want to say Looney Tunes, like yep. classic tunes. Looney Tunes um, was uh, number three. Let's see. Looney Tunes, Scooby-Doo. I don't know for the rest. Simpsons were number one. Oh. <laughs> Flintstones were number two. And at number four, whose who's holiday special do we watch every Christmas? Oh, the Muppets? Cartoon character. We don't watch a Charlie Brown Christmas every Christmas. <laughs> That's why I looked at you like you're... No, it's not yes. real. <laughs> yes, peanuts. So that listing, if you're if you're interested, folks, one to five in order: The Simpsons, The Flintstones, Looney Tunes, Peanuts, and then Scooby Doo. Okay, so we're going to be talking today about Mystery Incorporated, which is available on YouTube. It is a live action fan made Scooby Doo pilot, and it was written by the actors who play Fred and Daphne. Dade, Elza, and Jessica Chandler. I want to talk a minute about Scooby-Doo. This premiered in 1969. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Premiered in 1969 when I was 11. And it came about in an interesting way. In the late 1960s, parents were protesting that the Saturday morning cartoons were way too violent, like uh, Space Ghost and um, the Herculoids. All those were made by Hanna-Barbera. Fred Silverman, who was head of daytime programming at CBS, went in a different direction. He made it a cartoon about based on the Archie comics called The Archie Show. They had their normal funny annex, but they also had a band called The Archies and they performed musical numbers like The Archies. Dude. They had a big hit. Come on. Nope, I don't know it. Sugar <laughs> Sugar, uh, which was the number one hit of 1969, according to Billboard. Sugar, sugar, do, 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 do. Ah, honey, honey. That ring a bell? I know the song. I don't know any of the comic stuff. And you still haven't gotten to Scooby-Doo. I'm, I'm getting there. So. <laughs> so Silverman, Silverman wanted to capture lightning in a bottle twice. So he decided to do a similar show where a group of teenagers who were in this band traveled around performing and solving mysteries. 
he had this idea of combining the popular I Love a Mystery radio series uh, of the 1940s with teens who were similar to the early 1960s show, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Uh, Hanna-Barbera got involved. They assigned it to these writers, uh, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, and an artist, a character designer named Ewayo Takamoto. Along the way, the band idea was dropped. The teen's dog went from a bongo-playing dog named Too Much uh, to an easily frightened Great great Dane named Scooby. Uh, But the teens remained, and they were modeled on four characters from The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Fred is based on Adobe, who was kind of the, the straight character in the show, normal kid. Daphne is based on uh, Talia Menninger, who was sort of the rich, mean girl. Velma, based on Zelda Gilroy, similar, you know, bookish and whatnot. And then mm-hmm. Jaggy was based on Maynard G. Krebs. And if you've ever seen Bob Denver, later famous as Gilligan, as a counterculture beatnik Maynard G. Krebs, You'd be having this aha moment when you think of Shaggy. Scooby-Doo premieres in 1969. It has been around ever since. Various variations, TV shows, live action movies, um, other movies. And so now this brings us to the fan-made Mystery Incorporated. It's on YouTube. It's obviously inspired by the CW shows Riverdale and Supernatural. And so here we come back to Archie again. Riverdale took the characters from the Archie comics in in a whole new direction. Hot teens, wrestling with teen problems like romance, family, and school while becoming entangled in dark mysteries. And that's a pretty good description for Mystery Incorporated, too. In the premiere, Welcome to Coolsville, Fred's a bullied high school baseball star who sets out to discover more about the demonic creature who murdered his parents. He partners up with the bookish skeptic Velma, played by Diane Hutton. Now, I don't remember these characters ever having any backstory before, so finding out about their backgrounds is a little jarring. Um, Shaggy, played by Thor Van Schultz, that's a name and a half, is a misunderstood teen who used to deal drugs and is now trying to go straight. Daphne's a rich queen bee type. Worst of all, Scoob is an actual Great Dane and he doesn't do that pseudo-talking thing he does in the cartoons. I was really disappointed by that. The production values of Mr. Incorporate, Mystery Incorporated are good. The writing is kind of predictable. Some of the acting is so-so to pretty awful. Weirdly, although the show is meant to feel super contemporary, the characters sometimes use the phrases from the Scooby-Doo cartoons like, Jinkies, Jeepers, and Zoink! So, reportedly, Elsa and Chandler have raised enough money to do a second episode of Mystery Incorporated, and they're uh, trying to do, they're soliciting money, you know, uh, trying to raise money online, shooting for a cool million to make an entire season. Ruh-roh! That's Mystery Incorporated on YouTube. You didn't know all that about Scooby-Doo, did you? I didn't know all of that about Scooby-Doo. There's a lot of backstory. A lot of backstory. (laughs) Well, he's he's a very pop. He was a very important character to me in my childhood. Kate, come on. Okay, <laughs> is it my turn now? <laughs> it's your turn now. That was my main thing to talk about. So now it's all you. Okay. So the main thing that I have really been into, Florence and the Machine, just dropped their. It sounds so weird to say dropped their new album, 
fifth studio album, the first album in four years. I can't remember what the last album was called. This new one is called Dance Fever. And it is a blend of dance, folk, 70s Iggy Pop sound, according to Florence Welch, who is the, I think, literally the only person on the planet that could pull this off. So Um, Iggy Pop sounds, that would be like punkish, kind of punk rockish. Like, you you don't know the song I Want to Be Your Dog? I do. (laughs) Okay. He's also Uh, the guy who wrote with Bowie, uh, Lust for Life, you know? Yeah. Big, big, big drum thing. But go ahead. Okay, so then uh, she, there's, if you have Spotify, some people don't use Spotify, but if you have Spotify, there's a really great, like, little mini documentary that you can click on if you click on the album and she is explaining like everything that inspired the album which was of course written and recorded during uh in stages during the ongoing pandemic and so she also said the album is inspired by tragic pre-wafiolite heroines folklore films like wicker man and midsummer and then folkloric elements of a moral panic from the middle ages which i thought was really interesting lots of of course very on theme for Florence and the Machines, like mystical, religious themes, power themes, feminist themes. Question: Wicker yeah. Man. She cited Wicker Man and Midsummer. There, those are both kind of dark movies. I mean, is there a dark yeah. undertone to this? It's yeah. It's pretty. Sounds beautiful. All of it sounds beautiful. Um, and I think she does a really good job of talking about really heavy things in a way that pulls you in and isn't like super, super depressing all the time, especially with this album, with her last album, it all felt heavier for some reason, but just to, to give you a couple of my favorites so far, cause I've listened to this like nonstop since it came out on Friday, <laughs> on Friday the 13th. She has a song called free, which is really about her battle with anxiety And it felt very like I was listening to it and I was like, man, am I like, did she take over my body and just like write everything down that, that I feel when I'm having, you know, anxious thoughts or just underlying, just worry, just gentle worry all of the time about whatever, you know, my job, my kid, the world, et cetera, et cetera, which I think to an extent at this point in time, because it seems like things just keep getting worse, (laughs) even though there's lots to be joyful for. That song really spoke to me. And also, if you want to look up the music video, Bill Nighy, beloved actor, plays the personification of her anxiety in the video, which I thought was really, (laughs) it's a really fun way to deal with it. And it's not like, it's not a bummer song. It's just her, you know, talking about how she's feeling and how she, how she escapes from it. And I think having him in the video specifically helps deal with it humorously. And then the other song that I really like is called dream girl evil. And to me, it was a really good exploration of how women are both put on a pedestal when we're acting in quote unquote acceptable ways, when we're basically like sit down, shut up, look pretty. No one wants to hear what you're thinking. Nobody cares about what you're thinking. And then the second that you 
own your power, you own your sexuality, or you all, you know, you stand up and for yourself and what you believe, then, then it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're a whore, you're evil, you're everything that's wrong with, you know what I mean? It's kind it's of why so, Joan of Arc got, you know, burned at the yeah. city. People have been accused of being witches, even though they weren't witches. And yep. yeah. Tale as old as time. Tale um, as old as time. <laughs> so those two are definitely my favorites so far, but I think, and you should listen to it in order when you do listen to it on whatever platform or physical copy that you listen to. But I really recommend that. It's been a while since I've had a piece of music that I can just sit down and go from the starting point to the finishing point multiple times in a row. Cause I used to do that all the time in college when, when like none of these apps were a thing, it was the CD and that's what you had, or you had your iTunes library that you had to put in the titles of the music and you had to like burn the music from the CD to your library. So I think that's always really nice when you have that, when you can get back into that experience. So we'll probably have a playlist of just that. Not a ton of time to look at other sources. Uh, I'll just remind listeners, if you want to listen to the album the way that Kate's describing, you have to tell you have to tell your Spotify to do that because otherwise it's just going to flip around randomly yeah. um, and you won't hear the songs in order. Yeah. Okay. So Good you point. mentioned, <laughs> I've been frustrated by that. You know, I'll be listening to yeah. something that I know. And then the next thing I, it's like some songs like way at the end of the thing. What, why is it playing yeah. at second? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. You mentioned Sea of Tranquility. What is that? Mm-hmm. So Sea of Tranquility is, I thought we talked about it, but I guess we didn't because it was still in my notes. Um, so Sorry. Sorry to listeners if we've already covered it. This is um, this is kind of the show where we we have things we thought we talked about because I thought I'd already talked about the Scooby Doo thing. Yeah. Uh, so, Sea of Tranquility is a novel by Emily St. John Mandel, who you talked, who you have talked about before. She's an award-winning author of Station Eleven and The Glass Hotel. And so, this novel is a novel of art, time, love, and plague that takes the reader from Vancouver Island in 1912 to a dark colony on the moon nearly 500 years in the, in the future, unfurling a story of humanity across centuries and space. Uh, that was from the, the book jacket. And uh, I wrote that it was thrilling. It was scary. It was deeply touching. There's a part in the novel where she writes one of the characters having a discussion with somebody else about what it's like to think about the world ending with your child in it. <laughs> and at that point, there's like climate change, that point in the novel, climate change has already happened. There have been solutions. And so things aren't as bad as we instantly go to. So there was that nice little bit of hope because, you know, right now it feels like nothing is like I said previously, <laughs> it's like, we're just in a holding pattern and there's good news every once in a while but it's not getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's been a couple of weeks since I've read it. Now I can't remember exactly what, how the conversation starts. It made me feel very deeply seen because I think it's important to tell my child the truth, but also he's seven. And so I don't want him to 
be constantly overloaded with our failures, right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. So I have a question here. Yeah. I think I read, this is the novel. It has some of the characters from her previous works in it, like, um, Oh, I don't people I, from the glass hotel. That's what, that's my memory of what I read. I don't know about that. Cause I haven't read the glass hotel or station 11. It's very possible. She, and she also touches on trying time travel in a really interesting way. Cause you're not really sure like how it's all going to come together. And then when it does, you're like, Oh yeah, it was enjoyable. It was, I would say be prepared to be a little bit upset. Upsetty spaghetti about all of the human failure, but ultimately, hopefully it'll give you, hopefully it'll give you some hope. Okay. <laughs> we should mention neither one of us has seen it. HBO has a series version of station 11 that several people have told me are, is just wonderful. Really, mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. So it's Emily St. John Mandel. And the name yeah. of this particular book is Sea of Tranquility. Yes. Okay. Did you have anything else you want to mention? I think we really have time for it. I'm, the book I'm currently reading, well, I've got a couple going in tandem, but the one that I'm like really into, the one that's caught my attention the most so far is uh, The Witches of New York by Amy McKay, who apparently is from Indiana. So basically it's New York City, spring 1880, Gilded Age, lots and lots of historical change happening. The forces of good and evil are getting ready to battle it out, basically. Mm. Uh, I'm only about halfway through, but so far it's been really, really good, really well, well written. No, I'm glad that she she didn't set it in Indiana because the witches of Indianapolis or even like the witches of French Lick, that doesn't have quite the same ring (laughs) as the witches of New York. That sounds important. Well, that's just because New York is it was the. It's a very big. Um, well, it was kind of the center of the universe and the gilded. Yeah, universe. part of a lot of people's lives. Yeah, which Indiana is too. You just don't hear about it as much because it's arguably smaller. And so, arguably smaller. It is arguably, smaller. like no, like uh, smaller, smaller in that the types of the types of innovation inventions like that kind of stuff is it's not it doesn't not that it isn't important but it doesn't seem as important yeah it does it's not like silicon valley where you get tons of press or right stuff on wall street yeah yeah i get that okay um i want to mention that this past weekend we went to detroit for the world premiere of old heart a play based on pete ferry's award-winning novel of that same title. And it was in this funky old theater, the Redford Theater, uh, actually in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, it was an ma- amazing place. Just the, all this Chinese art on the walls and just really elaborate. The play, it was it's different from the book. I will say that the second half is pretty powerful. Here's the amazing part. Be- because of COVID, and like a couple members of the cast had come down with COVID, the cast only had one week in person of rehearsals and blocking before they put this thing on. Can you believe that? One week. 
<laughs> that's uh yeah that's not enough time <laughs> it, it, it was insane the minute i heard that i was like oh oh my gosh and like there were people who had to step in at the last minute because of the people who got covid it was pretty remarkable i have to say good i'm hoping that they continue to refine the play and maybe you know it goes on and people can see it elsewhere but i will just yeah. say Read that book. If you haven't read that book, Old Heart by Peter Ferry, it's available in many libraries. Just a great, great book about a guy who, old guy who decides to go back to the Netherlands to look for uh, the girl he fell in love with during World War II. And all that's involved in that, the story takes twists and turns. So it's just a great, great book. Ew, I think we've got like one minute left, Dad. <laughs> Not to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank. Uh, we've had we have had several readers send us suggestions. Thanks to Don. Thanks to Janice. Some other folks. We will get to those. Uh, then let you know what we think. Kate, where can people find us? Instagram, Facebook, Papaholics Podcast, uh, Twitter at Papaholics, and please keep sending those emails to Papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be better about looking at them. I just <laughs> forgot. That's my fault. Yeah. All right. For uh, Popaholics, uh, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye.